Sometimes you meet a person who, when they share their view of the world or our produce industry, it adjusts the shape of how you see and understand it yourself. Martha Montoya is that person, which you will meet on this episode. Hey, I'm Amy Souter, your Farm Journal host of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast and the Packers editor of Retail Education and ProduceMarketGuide.com which has a bi-monthly PMG magazine, and of course, socials. This week, our guest partner hosts from Zag Technical Services and Full Tilt Marketing talk with, yes, Martha Montoya, the CEO and founder of Ag Tools. The company website says it will help you delight your customers with enhanced sourcing solutions, or no, enhanced sourcing decisions, Identify and understand trends and how they affect your bottom line. Know what is impacting your commodities around the world and make better decisions with actionable insights. So just, you know, small stuff like that. Martha is truly a citizen of the world herself and is so impressive in the depth and breadth of her knowledge, her critical thinking and solutions and how she seems to be everywhere. She lives in California and originates in Bogota, Colombia. I've met her at several produce trade shows and she's spoken on conference panel sessions, including one of our own. I forget if it was our Florida-based GOPEX, the Global Organic Produce Expo, or our California-based West Coast Produce Expo and Sustainable Produce Summit, but I've not just met her once, we've talked several times and she's also a warm person as well as impressive. But first, my friendly reminder, gain recognition and inspire our industry by encouraging your produce merchandiser or manager to send us six to 10 photos of their current store's produce displays, emailing the pictures to artists at producemarketguide.com. It's for our quarterly contest, PMG's Produce Artist Awards Series. Anyway... Let's join the chat with Martha. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast with the Packer and talking all things ag tech. I'm your host, Rob Collings, VP of Marketing, Zag Technical Services, and I'm joined by my co-host, Melinda Goodman of Full Tilt Marketing. Today, we are joined by ag tech entrepreneur, Martha Montoya of AgTools, an award-winning food supply platform offering real-time news and information via machine learning and artificial intelligence to enable farmers, food supply chain stakeholders, banking, insurance, and other industries make better decisions, increase profits, avoid waste, and impact climate change. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting excited, Melinda. Are you? Like, (laughs) what's your excited voice? My excited voice. Thank you. For, so listeners, Martha, for listeners, this is Rob's excited voice. It just doesn't always sound like that. It is. But if you can Martha, see his face, it looks like that. <laughs> Martha has nearly 30 years of worldwide food, ag, and supply chain experience across multiple countries in both large and small-scale production. She was appointed to the board of the California Department of Food and Agriculture, Department of Commerce, Export Council, and has served on the Worldwide Advisory Board of Women for Walmart, Board of the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and several additional boards. Oh, my goodness, what an incredible resume. Welcome, Martha, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, and I sound like uh, the witch <laughs> with, a ball, with a ball. 
that can see the future. <laughs> you know, Rob and Martha, what's so exciting is when we have these conversations, how full circle they are um, in these ag tech conversations. We recently spoke to Andy Tudor about a simple solution impacting food waste. Uh, last we talked, I was on my way to Colombia to learn all about avocado industry, and here we are today talking about uh, talking to Martha, a native Colombian from Bogota. She has her own ag tech solution, which also has some of its roots in food waste and climate change. Everything in agriculture is always interconnected. It is. Yes. It's crazy. And you know what's funny, right, about ag and ag tech is that it's completely intertwined and nothing lives in a in a vacuum, right, of its own. And so, so Martha, you found a way to link all of that together with data. And in fact, I read, you know, ag tools take something like, what, 67 variables, including what politics, weather, travel, commodity prices, farming infrastructure for like over, what, 500 or more specialty crops to get a clearer picture of how we should grow, what to grow, when to grow it, how to sell it. And it's pretty powerful stuff. So how did you as an educator with a background in chemistry and biology end up in ag, creating such an amazing tool? What was the catalyst for ag tools? Oh, the catalyst was standing one day in Fresno, outside of Fresno, California, it was in somewhere or somewhere there, 103 degrees. And I had the fire in one side of the phone and the farmer on the other side of the phone. And it was so hot and so humid. I was under the shade of a tree, literally. And I'm like, but gentlemen, I'm telling you, this is what it is. And they, neither one of the parties will believe me because I was the middle person. I was a human being that in this industry, is she talking about, uh, uh, is she protecting the buyer? Or is she protecting the farmer? Right? So that distrust I thought I can keep going on like this. This has been forever doing this. How do I neutralize the data? How do I put the data in a place that people will trust the data instead of me or the individual? That's how process started. Well, I think that's such an interesting perspective of like, how do we trust the data, right? Because agriculture has forever been a very sort of gut feel, instinct, not to say that like, this is the way we've always done it, right? But there is a certain amount of like, we plant X amount of acreage and cauliflower and we put, and farmers can be their own worst enemy sometimes, right? Like the minute the market spikes on something like, oh, like I remember the kale boom. Everybody planted kale because everybody was eating kale. Well, the problem with that is now like, now we have too much kale. The market is not going to be great on kale. Right, right. And that happens over and over again. And and it is like that distrust, not just of even the data, but even each other, because we've done business on relationships, but who's the gatekeeper of that truth, right? Like which person is to be believed? So so you start seeing all these pieces and you start deciding like, how can I create this model that maybe removes the gatekeeper, creates a trust in the system? So where did you begin to figure out like what ag tools look like and where you could put this... How did you mine this data? What data might create that trust? So I began where we all have been for the last 30, 40 years, which is USDA. All the things that we mistrust, the one place that we have some trust and hope is USDA, right? Though we complain about it, we say, okay, but it's USDA kind of thing. Yeah, well, I want to interject right here and say my first job in college 
I was an ag surveyor for the National Ag Statistics Service, and I had to call farmers and ask them how much grain they planted, how much they harvested, how many acres they did. Man, if that wasn't a rude awakening to angry farmers having to report <laughs> something to the government, I will never know. <laughs> that was that was my first entree into cold calling and business development and sales. Oh <laughs> wow, that's a that is a toughy one, I tell you. I'm, I'm glad that you say that because one of the more things that we're moving is into how do we get that data without having to do that call? And there is the data, but how do we get the data to be public? Because we all should have data. We don't need to know who the owner, how much they make, but at least how much it's been farmed in this country. So USDA was the number one to answer. It was, how do I get there? Well, I start with USDA, but I knew that uh, going into USDA, there are a lot of mistrusts on that data. And we started researching, and that was 2000, actually it's 2017, started researching where the data sources come from, and it comes from a phone call. And we're like, okay, but a phone call is a phone call. It's not a real data somebody put in a computer system. So where do we go to the famous call it API, which is where all the data comes from? And uh, I start searching and finding out, oh, wow, no wonder we have so many lagoons of data, holes of data. And um, and started pulling that. It was that beginning, the USDA. And I'm so proud of USDA, seriously, because of the work they do with the legacy systems and computer systems that we still run this country. It is amazing. So USDA was really the beginning. Market pricing, acreage, all that stuff. How did you begin to even determine how and where these 67 variables would come from and why each of them were important? So actually, there are 76. Oh, um, 76. Backwards, okay. I don't know why we switch it, but how could you come up with this idea of 76 variables? And it's because I have traveled the world for 25 years at that point, delivering crops and having to research data in order to deliver back not only the product, but the investment. So here's $20 million and I want a mango program from Peru. Here's $30 million and I want a grape program from Chile. It was like $60 million for a whole program in South Africa. So when you have that type of worldwide capability of investments and delivering programs, you start thinking very global because you have to, you have no choice. And you start researching data. I understood my chemistry biology background. I understood that every plant, fruit, vegetable has phenological phases that will impact how we get the crops out on the other side and volumes. And right now we're living a wonderful case study of grapes. We had the alert system on February that we were going to not have too many grapes now in May and it's happening. And that's because of phenological analysis in Caborca, Mexico, of too many long days of cold weather that now are impacting the volume here. And now be prepared because when you say too much scale, all of a sudden we're going too much product in several weeks. So from no product to a lot of product, and there it goes. We lose money, we make money. We lose money, we make money. That's why you used to see and leave. And that's why those variables impact across the world. And it's because if somebody pays attention to the data, they saw that South Africa finished early, Peru finished early. So the data are there, the symptoms. I always tell people, you don't get a cold from one day to the next. You start having a little bit of a throat pain, a little body here, a little bit headache. And boom, all of a sudden, three days later, you have a full call on your body. That's incredible. And what a remarkable entrepreneurial journey. I've 
heard your solution sort of talked about as a, a Bloomberg terminal, that view into the market that there is no way anyone could get if they were trying to capture or gather all that data themselves. And I had a question sort of in the back of my, my mind about, you know, what AgTools does, but I think you've actually really, really clearly articulated that. So tell us perhaps a little bit about your customers and, you know, how they are benefiting from the solution. What is, you know, what are they seeing? What's the impact in their, their business? Is it smoothing out those ups and downs? Is it the predictability? Are they just more confident in making decisions? The first thing that every customer wants to know is, can you tell me what's going to happen in the future? Remember I mentioned the low yeah, ball? Yeah, yeah. That future is relative for everybody. Mm -hmm. If I am the head of the whole world markets, I want to know blueberry productions anywhere in the world, throughout the world. That's one point of view. But if I'm a producer in Oregon, my prediction is completely different because I'm impacted by either Fresno or Mexico. But if I'm a blueberry producer in Detroit, I might be impacted by Peru or Argentina. And if I'm a producer in Argentina, I might be impacted by Morocco in Europe or the exchange rates. You see what I mean? So prediction to whom? So building the engines to predict is predict to you individually. We have a customer that they only care about what happens on the West Coast. Well, that's that was their thinking process. But guess what? It's things that happen in other regions can impact you here in the West Coast, right? A customer, the hardest part of this whole journey is not the data. It's getting our industry to understand, to adjust their brains to understand data. Every company, big and small, relies on technology. From the field to the warehouse to administration, uptime stability is critical to your bottom line and to supply chain continuity. Cybersecurity is one of the greatest risks to modern agriculture. Contact Zag Technical Services for your technology risk assessment and let us check your tech. Visit zagtech.com. So that's a really good, like, my brain is swimming right now. Like, I have so many questions. I want to do so many things. You know, data means nothing until we can visualize data. So that's the first point, right? Like, you have to be able to put all the data together. Like, I can look at weather data in one place, and I can look at shipment reports in another, and I can look at price reports in another. And each of them on their own mean their own thing. But, like, all of a sudden, you've taken and you've made this tool to visualize it. But at the same time, like, I also inherently know that if we don't know the right question to ask of data, data doesn't mean anything. So how do you train people in your tool to ask or use the right question? So I'll give you an example, sitting with farmers the other day. Um, and when you ask them, what is, what is it that you want to know? What is your pain points? Literally, some of them, the government doesn't do this, the da-da-da doesn't do that. And at the end of the day, it's you. How do your brain looks at data to be able to find solutions for the future. So it has been a journey of being more, I, I we have literally two psychologists in the company. Oh, wow. And one, and one sociologist. I can see farmers need that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a psychiatrist. <laughs> I don't know, Melinda, I need that too. <laughs> well, I We'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was shocked when I started this journey that I said, let me have research on how farmers adopt technology. There was one research study done in Africa about how to use your phone system. Literally, think about it. There's no research study about how farmers adapt to technology. I'm talking about 
not the technologies, the brain into the technology. So I went to UC Irvine, which is known for being the top sociology research in the world, literally. And I sat down with them and then they brought the anthropologist. And that's how we put together this thinking process team that how, because a farmer that is a, a farmer of tomatoes is different than a farmer that's strawberries. And a farmer in Fresno is different uh, than a farmer in Washington state. Now talk that into Mexico or into Chile or whatever, right? So the dynamics. So that's how we put together this whole unit that it's about thinking process of our team of when we have a, Meetings with customers, as you mentioned earlier, um, that how do you manage the customers? So what we do is we meet and we hear them. And then we ask other questions that are deeper down. It's almost like when you sit on the couch. <laughs> uh, what is your problem? My problem is my wife doesn't like me. No, well, let's see what is the real problem. <laughs> Maybe you are the problem. <laughs> not your wife. <laughs> and so we get a little bit deeper in understanding. And as they start talking, they start realizing that, oh, it's me that I need to understand how to manage data. And this industry is such a fast pace and attention span is so limited that we have to almost, we have to walk, run with them as almost like a, imagine there's a psychologist running with the patient because there's no time to, oh, let's stop and do half an hour of what do you think. Like, I don't have time. I just had a, I, I don't have grapes today. <laughs> My customer is screaming here. So that's the issue. The actuals really is more than the data is about how our brains are starting to adapt to this whole technology. So our customers come with those pain points. Apparently, we go deeper. We now know more and we start giving them solutions. That's completely fascinating. I'm struck by something that's sort of underpinning a lot of what you're talking about, which is your observation of, of humanity and how we behave. And so I'd like, if you don't mind, we'll get off the, the AI and tech just for a second. I mean, you um, are very passionate about solutions for small farmers, women farmers. I'm curious about, you know, obviously why. I mean, why? why it's important, but also, you know, how do you see technology empowering these people to compete? This is a, a secret that should not be a secret, but it is It is a secret. When I travel around the world before I settled more in the United States, because I was living in the United States, but I was deployed uh, like the army out there to do the job. My last project was uh, the packing house in Pakistan for mangoes, literally from blueprints all the way to finished product. Okay, So that tells you that I was really on the ground. Yeah. The interesting part is that, remember, 95% of farms in the United States and over 80% of farms outside of the United States are owned by families. Who makes decisions in the family? It's the woman. So when I used to go to the farms outside of the United States, I knew that I would walk in and see the guy working very hard at the farm, but if I needed a decision for anything, the lady was in the back room doing all the money, the taxes, the payroll, the suffering, sweating it up if she's going to be able to pay the bills. And when the husband would come and say, honey, I need to buy another, we don't have the money or we have the money. Or, well, we don't buy these other things. So I understood from the beginning of my career and having come from a coffee farmers myself, my grandma was in charge. She decided everything in that farm. My grandpa ran around, but she was in charge of the farm. And then my... I, I will echo that. I mean, I grew up on a ranch and my dad might've done all the work. He might've had a vision for how to grow the ranch, our genetics, whatever it might've been, but... 
if my mom wouldn't have been doing the books and getting the loans and everything else, he would have known one way or another if we made money or not. <laughs> Thank you so much. Because when I came to United States, there was a focus group for something else. And there were 60, 70 year old wonderful white farmers. And we asked them, who makes the decision? No, if I need to buy a tractor, if I need to buy a tire, my wife, my sister, my mother, my somebody, female. So the passion for it is not even the passion in general for women, which thank God we have the potential of sustainability in this world, because if we empower those women, we're going to sustain this world. But the fact that it's a business, it's a business case. This is it. This is the people. And the adoption happens faster with the women and youngsters in the industry. So that's why that in the corporate America is the same way. The guys have been in the industry 30, 40 years. I know it all. I've been around enough. And then comes a woman that even she has the same 20, 30 years of experience than the guy, but she has always been undermined in a nice, for history reasons. Okay. But now she has the data. She empowers herself faster. See what I mean? So the data is empowering those who kind of knew, but could not be in the front. I, I, I was raised with a mother who managed the whole business, but she was never able to be on the front stage. And she should have been on the front stage, but it was not possible. I love all That's of that. powerful, isn't it? Me yeah, too. Women. I'm a bit tingly, and I've just realized I'm now surplus to requirement. So, <laughs> uh, Martha, I'll tell you uh, just a quick story about my trip to Colombia last week. I had a wonderful time in all of Colombia and all of the people I met, but especially when you talk about women, I will tell you the future of Colombia in avocados is women. It was at least 60 plus percent women that I saw across packing sheds and production who were running that avocado industry in Colombia. Exactly. And, and were smart men that. too, but it was very exciting. You've had the opportunity now, you know, since 2017, 2018, as you've built this tool, you've deployed it with lots of farms and customers around the country, potentially around the world, obviously. What's the most exciting thing you've seen happen? Like, have you have you seen a farm grow or change or adopt something different because of how they use the data? And like, there was like the wow moment. Yes, hundred so much so that we have clients that now are three, four years with us. And we, we start with they call I didn't know this terminology, MVP, my minimal product viability. Meaning, right? Like yeah. something and see if it works. So there are customers that have been with that, and I mean large customers with that with MVP. And this is the third or fourth year with us. So that's number one. And number two, they're growing their usage, meaning more users. Oh, it's not only the buyer, it's also the logistics, it's also the procurement, it's also the CFO. So that tells us that it's growing, but also the behavior. So now you can have these different variables. So we see buyers buying avocado now certain times of the year when there's crop growth, crop bumping up. So they can buy more at least, less price, but at least the farmers don't throw it away. That's one behavior. We see farmers now farming this is important because this was one of the hardest part to convince farmers. You just don't farm immediately. You might farm one week later to get into the market one week later when the market is $15 versus $7. And you can see that on the data. The week of June 15th is better every four years. You can see the data that on June 7th. So farm one week later. Start your harvesting, your planting one week later. 
And we have proven the case. Uh, one of our customers is Honduras. We went three years ago from 14% in exporting okra to the United States to be now 64% okra. Because now they're planting in the certain times of the year and with 40% profitability. So Rob and I talk about this all the time, and that is return on investment. Like if you are going to spend money on something, what is the return on investment? And it's easy to figure that out on things like a tractor or, you know, a new piece of equipment that, you know, is going to increase efficiency X amount. It's going to depreciate over a period of time. But on tech, that is sometimes so hard to sometimes put a number on. And you're proving to us right here what is possible. It's incredible. So Martha, um, look, thank you so much for sharing your ag tech journey with us today and giving us a view of how, you know, what you do and how having visibility into the future, just a little bit, your crystal ball, which is, I think, an act, a bit like turning the lights on from the dark. Gets actually get to see things, yeah. So, if our listeners wanted to learn more or see a demo of Ag Tools, uh, what should they do? Oh, you just send us email at info at ag.tools.com. <laughs> Perfect. So, Martha, Rob, I love these interconnected conversations that we have in ag, the fascinating reality of relationships and agribusiness and how they really drive the industry and drive profitability for us. I think one of our upcoming guests is Dennis Donahue of Western Growers Association Center for Innovation and Technology. Ag Tools, you are one of the innovators and change agents that was highlighted for solving problems and shaping the future of ag. And Martha, There's no doubt that you and team are really solving the problems of agriculture. And I can't wait to hear more from you and other ag tech leaders and how you're changing how we do business and what we know about it today. So thank you for joining us and tune in next time as we talk more about ag tech. Thank Thank you. you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. For obvious reasons, I loved how Martha discovered on her worldwide travels for work that women usually made the farm decisions while their husbands worked the farm, (laughs) and how she wants to arm women with data so they can stand on the front stage too and get the respect they deserve. It was also interesting that her company has psychologists on the team and that she's focused on how farmers adopt technology, trying to meet them in ways that work for them. So check out our other Tip of the Iceberg podcast episodes. In our last episode, I talked with Christy Mather, Vice President of Food at Curious Plot Marketing Agency, and we chatted about the ROI produce companies and retailers can get from using social media effectively. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button and rate us on your preferred podcast platform. Come on, it really does help us out. And have you heard of our free professional development courses at produceedu.com. Our newest courses come from our conference education session panelists on topics such as reducing food waste, where CEA or controlled environment agriculture is headed, and sustainable packaging. You can add this training to link to your LinkedIn profile and you could use it as evidence of your awesomeness when you ask for a raise or a new role. Remember, it's at produceedu.com. In this episode's show notes, you can find many ways to follow us for more produce information, news, tips, insights. Thanks so much. Talk to you next time.